Welcome to the Love on the Go podcast, brought to you by Carolina's Matchmaker. I'm Lori Burzak, and for over 17 years, I've been helping singles find the relationship of their dreams all over the Carolinas. Along the journey, I've met so many amazing professionals and experts from various fields, and I'm excited to introduce them to you. What's my goal? I want to help you look at love and relationships in a new way and to grow in your understanding of how love works. Let's learn together how people have overcome personal obstacles and have found love, first and foremost, with themselves. The ultimate goal is realizing that you are worthy and deserving of love. Let's get started. Today I'm talking with Brittany Bogues. Brittany is a serial entrepreneur and founder of the Bogues Group. She has a proven track record of securing positive press, strategic event planning, engaging public interest, employing effective marketing tactics, and generating significant social media buzz. When she isn't working, she's passionately advocating for those impacted by domestic violence and at-risk communities. I wanted to talk to her about dating in today's world, as well as how she got through a traumatic event in her life, which I'm certain will help people who have experienced domestic abuse. Welcome, Brittany. It is so great to see you today. There's so much I want to talk to you about dating um, in Charlotte versus other cities. I want to talk to you about your dad, who I'll let you kind of tell tell folks who your dad is. Um, and I want to talk about kind of what you've learned through some of the difficult experiences that you've had with dating in the past and kind of like how you got through it and to the other side where you're now actually helping people. So why don't we start with who your dad is? Why don't you why don't you tell tell us who your dad is and how that has impacted your dating? So like I, I never really lead with my dad because yeah. you know I'm my own person. Mm-hmm. Um, so like I try to really distance myself as much as possible. Um, mm-hmm. But I mean because of my last name it is sometimes recognizable. Mm-hmm. Um, but he is a former athlete, shortest person to ever play in the NBA. And so I know like when it comes to dating, it's just sometimes um, men will think that I have like a certain expectation because of, you know, just how I was raised or, um, you know, what might have been a lifestyle. Mm-hmm. Um, so I do feel like that sometimes that can be a factor um, mm-hmm. in like certain situations. Yeah. So your dad's Muggsy Bogues. So people that know the Hornets from back in the day would recognize him. And also he was in a movie, he was in Space Jam yeah. and others, what was, he was in something else too, right? That people might recognize him? Yeah, just like a bunch of stuff like Curb Your Enthusiasm mm-hmm. and like Eddie and like other stuff. Yeah. And so I think it's important because people sometimes get ideas, men would probably get ideas um, when they're approaching you that maybe they're not good enough for you or they, they can't live up to, like you were saying, um, standard of living that you might be used to. And and you were kind of unaware of that until someone pointed it out to you after a time. Is that right? Yeah, so um, mm-hmm. I'm blessed with some really great guy friends that mm-hmm. keep it really real when it comes to dating. Mm-hmm. And so they just offer different perspectives. Um, mm-hmm. you know, but at, at the end of the day, I feel like people are going to be around and who they want to be with so like that also Mm -hmm. is a factor um but Mm -hmm. like there are i'm sure preconceptions when people you know are interested or may think you know i might be a certain way before meeting yeah exactly and then obviously when they get to know you they come to find a really down-to-earth lovely smart intelligent introspective talented woman uh which also might might make people feel some kind of a way, <laughs> not good enough and everything of independent woman. Have you found that to be the case as well? 
you're not really needy. Um, I, I feel like I'm not like, yeah, I'm definitely not a needy type of woman. So mm -hmm. I, I sometimes feel like um, you can, and that's what I like definitely have worked on, making sure that I do mm -hmm. make like sure my partner knows that I am thinking about them because I am really focused on my goals. And so you can definitely mm -hmm. become a workaholic. And I don't really mm -hmm. think a workaholic is a good thing. And so, no. um, yeah, it, it sometimes can breed um, competition. And I was mm -hmm. in a relationship that I felt like at certain points it became like competitive about like grades and like just, you mm. know, about accomplishments and things like that. And you shouldn't be competing with your partner. You should be like, you know, complimenting no. them. And so mm -hmm. I knew that that's something like I, I too would definitely always be working on. That's right. You need your partner to always be boosting you up at all yeah. times and excited about your goals and excited about the money that you're bringing in to the household. And <clears throat> if there's ever a point where, you know, one partner is making more money than the other and you're seeing that there's, you know, this feeling of less than, then that's really something that needs to be addressed in the relationship for sure. And I've heard it before, you know, where women have come to me after the fact they're divorced and they said, you know, they started making a larger income than their husbands and the husbands started feeling less than and their morale was diminished. And, you know, sometimes they looked outside of the marriage for support and for to feel some a, a feeling of height. They wanted to feel more heightened by a relationship because they felt like um, they weren't owning up to their side of the bargain and what they wanted to bring to the marriage. When in fact, the woman didn't even care. You know, it was like all right. about the man's ego. And that's, you know, in a heteronormative so relationship we're talking about. Mm -hmm. I know it's really interesting that you say ego. I um, had the pleasure of seeing Deepak Chopra speak um, mm -hmm. at Something in the Water. And mm. he talked a lot about ego. And like, I never really thought about it or put it into perspective um, until like he kind of talked about it. And then when I also um, studied to get my master's, we talked a lot about ego. And ego is, it can get you in so much trouble. It's so, it's so mm. many things, but like, sometimes you just got to put it aside. Mm-hmm. It's really important in any relationship to set that ego aside, because if you have the ego, then you can't compromise yeah. and you can't think about the other person first, which is really kind of what you need to be doing in any good relationship is you need to always be thinking about the other person out of the crazy brain and onto the other person. And that's what I think makes the best marriages, frankly. Um, tell me more, you know, one of the reasons that I was so attracted to you and why I reached out originally on Facebook many years ago was the um, the essay that you wrote about your um, domestic violence situation. Um, can you tell me more about that and how old you were and what occurred? And then, you know, I just wanna hear all about that and how you got through it. I think that could be really helpful to, to our listeners. Sure, um, so I was in my, um, about my sophomore year of college. I, um, went home for the for the summer break so mm -hmm. my parents were divorced at the time so i would spend my summers in maryland because i went mm -hmm. to high school there and i was going to college in north carolina mm -hmm. so um, my ex-boyfriend um, lived in maryland and we all had we still had a lot of friends in common and so i ended up going to a house party that he was having mm -hmm. and um my friend that i was supposed to stay with she like fell asleep and never answered her phone and so he had two twin beds so i was like okay i'll just stay here leave really early in the morning mm -hmm. and um you know after the party he was you know intoxicated and wanted to talk about like why we weren't together and it just mm -hmm. was a conversation i really didn't want to have and so mm -hmm. 
he proceeded to um, punch a hole in the wall and throw like his phone and then jump on the on my bed and um, start choking me and so mm. luckily he like let go and I was able to move and grab my stuff and leave um, mm -hmm. but like it was really it's just really shocking to know like someone that can love you so much can also like hurt you and like want to mm -hmm. hurt you because they're not getting what they want um, and like at the time, I obviously didn't know about like the power and control wheel of abuse and everything. Like you learn about that once you start learning about the statistics and you know the psychology behind like abusers and domestic violence and everything. Um, but um, I didn't come out originally and tell my my parents. I was really embarrassed. Um, so after uh, ten years later, I mean maybe even longer than that, I started working. Um, at a domestic violence shelter. And I created a project where I had women and men of all walks of life, different backgrounds and economic status, share their story of their experience with domestic violence. And after like being touched by these stories and hearing them, I was like, why am I not like, why am I afraid to share mine? And so um, Huffington Post ended up um, covering it. And mm -hmm. um, it was a it was really freeing to kind of like tell like told my parents about it of course before it went out um so it was mm -hmm. it was great to kind of talk, talk to them about it and you know um just kind of get it off my chest um and then the outpour of people that like reached out from that like sharing of my story was just like overwhelming and i'm um, really touching so i was happy that i did do it yeah, it's definitely such a scary experience that you went through. And and it's interesting that people feel shame and fear about sharing when it had nothing to do with them. I mean, you did absolutely nothing wrong. This is all on that other person. And yet you you and you were so violated. And yet you were afraid to even tell the people that love you most in this world. Yeah, I like I didn't learn about the terminology until later. But like, there's mm -hmm. a whole thing about victim blaming. And we kind of mm -hmm. live in a victim blaming society. And so mm -hmm. some of the even by like the questions that people ask you, it's like, Oh, well, like, what were you doing? Like, were you drinking? What were you mm -hmm. wearing? And it's like, what mm -hmm. are the questions like well why does he feel like he's in the space that he should be touching someone like why did mm -hmm. it escalate to that and so it's like mm -hmm. you know i feel like sometimes the wrong questions are kind of asked and so it really does make people shy away from kind of speaking up mm -hmm. i'm i'm so proud of you for doing that and you've helped so many people along the way i know even with that huffington post um article you did and what do you say to people now that are um everyone we know has has been touched by this whether it be a friend or a sibling or someone so what would you suggest to someone if they know somebody that's being abused right now um to try to get through some of this what what would you suggest to them to, um, to tell their friend judge. or family member yeah, do not judge mm -hmm. uh first and foremost mm -hmm take your judgment and throw it out the window because like mm -hmm. you are not in their situation and like a lot of people are like well why do people stay i mean if mm -hmm. you know the statistics you are more likely to get harmed and or have a fatality when leaving a like a abusive situation and it mm -hmm. takes sometimes up to seven times to leave a situation like that and so um show grace give them resources mm -hmm. there are tons of different uh, confidential hotlines. Um, there's even lines that you can text because I found that texts sometimes are like more responsive. Um, mm. But there's definitely different resources out there. Your local domestic violence shelter that can really give you um, guidance and um, 
actual tools to get through it. Um, mm -hmm. So I would just say be a resource and be a kind ear. Um, that's mm -hmm. not judgmental. I think that's really important. A lot of people know people who are in relationships with narcissists and you know, they're being yelled at constantly, emotionally abused and whatnot. And then they get up the courage to leave. And I've seen it happen many times and they do leave, but then the narcissist chases them down so much and so much love bombing, just like it was in the beginning. And the, the victim, you know, ends up going back to the narcissist. And then the whole cycle of abuse starts all over again. And that is such a hard place to be and to leave. And you're right. You do need to show grace and and um, compassion for for the victim that's in in that um, trance, if you will, of, and they don't think that they deserve any better, and they don't exactly. think that there's anyone else out there that's going to love them as much because that's kind of a lie that they're fed by the narcissistic partner. So to be really aware of that and to seek help and to get counseling, I'm sure you did, um, you must have done some counseling around this. Yes. Um, yeah, which people really need to do they, because we don't have the answers in our heads. You know, our brains will just keep swirling, swirling, swirling. That's what I, I learned from um, Eckhart Tolle. And um, you you need to um, to go deeper than that. Your your spirit might know the answer, but your brain certainly does not. And um, there's so many resources out there, and there's so many people that can help people with, with that. And you've been active with the Safe Alliance. Is that right? Is that your charity of choice? Yeah, so, mm -hmm. so that's definitely who like um, helped me share my story. And mm -hmm. I mean, one of the best and only um, in Charlotte um, domestic violence services that we have um, okay. for um, people that are in need. Um, I, I love what they do, um, but I'm also passionate about like my family foundation. Um, we help mm -hmm. with um, food insecurity and focusing on a skills-based education. Um, so in job training, so I definitely am passionate about a couple different things, but I mean, always domestic violence awareness will be um, something really near and dear to my heart. I'll put in the show notes. What is the name of your family foundation? Uh, the Mexican Books Family Foundation. Okay. I'll put both of those in, into the show notes so people want to give, because, you know, philanthropy dating has been a really big part of my career and I want to try to raise money as well as awareness for all of all the guests on the podcast. So thank you. So let's thank talk you. about, thank you for sharing that. That that was so important. Let's talk about you and dating and what you, you lived in DC, the DC area for a while, right? So let's yeah, talk about the differences between DC dating and Charlotte dating and anything you want to say around that. Yeah, no, so um, I have dated in uh, different cities and I will definitely say um, Charlotte is interesting for the sure fact that like a uh, numbers game, most people have like mm -hmm. already know someone that knows someone. So mm -hmm. um, the fun thing about it is that I have a, like a lot of just family friends growing up here. So like I feel uh -huh. like in DC, people could be more anonymous when you're dating, but like in mm -hmm. Charlotte, like if anything kind of happens, I probably have a friend that is at the venue and they can like tell me something. <laughs> so it's just like, it's just different perspectives, you know? Um, yeah. But it definitely, I've noticed that once I kind of embraced myself, was more self-aware, understood my flaws, my strengths, my weaknesses, mm -hmm. um, and really just start loving myself and working on things that I wanted to change. Um, mm -hmm. I started attracting more and more of the kind of people that I, I could see myself with and dating. And so like, that's been really fun. 
Are you on the dating apps? Or are you just meeting people through friends and at venues? How are you meeting people? Oh yeah, I'm like not on any dating apps. They they get okay. me overwhelmed. Um, I, I, yeah, so I've been. You get a lot of attention, probably. <laughs> well, it's just like it's so much, and then like the conversations. Mm -hmm. I'm an Aquarius, and so like I not I don't really love small talk. I love like deep conversations, and I feel like mm -hmm. um, those apps are getting a lot. What's up? Um, so, um, I meet people mostly through like friends or like mm -hmm. sometimes do like a business type kind of like we're networking through something and yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. That's a nice, nice way because you, you're sort of looking around the room and a lot of young professionals out there. I know with the pandemic, obviously everything went halted and that was yeah. just terrible for a lot of people that counted on meeting people at these events. And then everybody turned to online dating as a result. Um, and I feel like it's still taking a while to get back to it, but have you found that people are back out full force or when they are out, do you feel like it feels a little different, the vibe? Oh, I think people are out full force. I am back, yep. like, I, one of my <laughs> girlfriends, she just got married. I just went to her wedding and she mm -hmm. literally met her husband during the pandemic. And the cool thing yep. about their dates is that she started this whole walking dates. So they, she would mm -hmm. literally like meet people and they go on walks. You're like out in the air and like it's also yes. like an easy way to break if you don't if you're not having fun. It was brilliant. Yes. But yeah. So I feel like people were still being creative and meeting and figuring some some things out. Yeah, I love that. I sent a bunch of dates out, walking dates, and it's kind of nice because you're not stuck on like at a table staring across from the other and having to worry about is food is there food in my teeth. And then you can also say, well, that's that's my exit right there. See ya. <laughs> and you're out. It could be any period of time. Yes. And I remember once I sent a date out, it was like supposed to rain. So I was like, what are we going to do? And another time it was like freezing cold. We had a bunch of those dates go out during, you know, the right after the lockdown. Yeah, that was uh, that was crazy. But it was I think it's good to walk and talk and, you know, you can kind of flirt that way. And um, it's not as intense. Uh, for sure. Agreed. I love Yeah. I've also noticed like it's for me, it's been like more fun to kind of date in my 30s because um, you kind of know more about like what you already like, what you're already going to like, what you know that you kind of don't like. So it just makes the process like uh, more, it's genuine, but it's also like kind of more effective or efficient, I'll say. So do you, do you bring up some of those important topics on a first date, like whether you want to have kids and if you want to go oh, to... Yeah. No. So how do you kind of screen somebody out like where you know that they're sort of at your level or the seriousness of, you know, wanting a relationship? Well, I mean, I definitely think that you should ask those questions like eventually sooner rather than mm -hmm. later, but mm -hmm. I definitely won't come in hot on like the first or second date with those questions. Yeah. yeah. Um, but probably like, um, like I am, so I'm dating someone now and we kind of mm -hmm. talk like every day and we've been talking mm -hmm. every day. So like, I feel like if you have like a certain consistency of communication and you're mm -hmm. already opening up about certain things, it might be, it's just organic. Mm -hmm. um, but I feel like at a certain time in your life, you can kind of sense through people's um, words versus their actions and you can mm -hmm. kind of figure out what aligns better for your end goal. So when you say talk every day, do you mean text or you mean talk? I mean like FaceTime and then like yeah. texting throughout the day. Okay. Um, but like, I mean, I guess everybody's different. So like I have mm -hmm. some friends that like 
only text with people and like to me like I don't know like I get that like I get that like that's kind of the time we're in I've seen people literally be uncomfortable when a phone call comes in mm -hmm. um, but like I don't know I feel like if I'm genuinely trying to get get to know someone and I don't live in the same space as them we're, mm -hmm. we need to be like FaceTiming and calling and texting like all the communication forms exactly there's so many people that are getting confused by text messaging and and sense of humor and sarcasm is not coming across properly they get angry then they get upset then there's a double bubble texting and it's just a mess texting is right you're like totally cracking up it is such a disaster it's like you meant it one way and like they read it back yeah. and like they hear it another way and you're like, oh, dang. Yeah. So I and agree. It, I don't. Yeah. It never would happen if you were FaceTiming with somebody. You would just, that, yeah. that joke would not fall flat. Or if it did, then you would know you're not on the same page. It's a way of getting to know somebody so much better. And then also with texting, it's like, how many people is this person like sending the good morning, beautiful text to? You know, Thank it's just you. like 35 different women that he's that he's reaching out to. Like, how do you know? And then what you said earlier, you know, words versus action. You know, how often is he asking? Does he live here or is he somewhere else? Oh, he lives, he lives somewhere else. Yeah. So, you know, is he making an effort to, you know, fly to see you or drive to see you? Is he, is he, you know, how, like, words into, into action? Um, and, you yeah. know, does he say what he says he's going to do? And exactly. some, sometimes with long distance relationships that can uh, really interfere um, with people seeing each other and people have excuses and then there's distractions and it's hard. I did, I did that for two years. It's rough. It's a rough yeah. situation, but I know a lot of people that have had successful long distance relationships leading to long-term partnership. So it's all in the amount of effort that you make. I mean, nowadays with everybody traveling and whatnot, you know, it's, you can make it happen. You can definitely, and it can sometimes be easier, you know, to only yeah. see somebody on the weekends and it sort of feels a little bit like a honeymoon every weekend. I would definitely say effort and just also like realizing that like similar lifestyles, because like if you mm -hmm. have a similar lifestyle and you also want to in the future have like a certain lifestyle and you've kind of talked about it, mm -hmm. I agree. I think it does make it like kind of easier if you may not be in the same place or you plan to move there, you know, things to change. So like, mm -hmm. I think just being flexible and remaining like open-minded, you know, with a good, good look at things. I mean, like mm -hmm. life is short. So like, I feel like you just gotta have fun and like, just figure it out. Agree. So with similar lifestyle, what does that include? Um, I think what you kind of mentioned earlier, I think it mm -hmm. includes like travel. It includes mm -hmm. like your routine like um mm -hmm. are you a morning person are you like a night owl um also like how flexible is your schedule because um, i like dated um my my one of my long-term relationships he had like a nine to five i'm an mm -hmm. entrepreneur mm -hmm. and like so sometimes like we would have like a little bit of conflict because like i'd want to go somewhere but like he couldn't go because he mm -hmm. couldn't get off and i was like mm -hmm. oh like you know so it's just like a little thing so i feel like a lifestyle is kind of like that like is your like, if you don't mind that, and if that's what you're in, then coordinate your life for that. But like, if you don't want that lifestyle, find someone that wants to be living a similar one, you know? Yeah, that makes sense. What about like faith and religion? Does that come into play with, with your okay, relationships? Sure. Yeah. yeah. I feel like, um, for me, if you don't believe in something higher than yourself, mm -hmm. like it's kind of a, it's hard for me. Mm -hmm. Um, but like, I've, 
I have friends that are atheists, so like I, I don't mm -hmm. you know ever judge or anything. And I would also like date an atheist if it you know if they. I don't know, had something, and they believed in faith and were driven in something, I guess, faith in whatever it is, their belief of something. But I think faith is important, but also like parenting, do you even want kids? I feel like that's mm -hmm. really important. It's like, I don't even know if I want any. Um, yeah. So it's just like asking yourself all those real questions and being okay with asking them the question. Cause like, mm -hmm. even if you're not gonna get the answer you want, at least you're knowing where they're at because I would hate to be surprised. I feel like a lot of people um, don't ask those questions because they want to keep the thing, everything even keel. But like right. they also later are like finding themselves either breaking up or having a lot of conflict because they didn't talk about mm -hmm. these things like, you know, before. Yeah, and the kid question is a tough one. I have, I've been meeting a lot of uh, millennials, you know, in their 30s that are on the fence about if they want kids or not. I mean, for me, I got married at 26. I had my first child at 30, but I don't know that I would have thought about the whole kid. I mean, it was like, I was looking all around me. It's like, everybody's having babies. So it's like, I guess I got to do it. You know, if you're going to do it, you just have to just take the plunge. You're never ready to have a child. But I also can't imagine thinking about having a child if I wasn't in a serious relationship. Like, how would you know that you really want it? I mean, some people are like, I absolutely want to have a child with or without a partner and they just go ahead and do it. And I, and I've known people that have, and I've even suggested it to some people. I'm like, you know what, why don't you have your baby first? And then we'll worry about finding your husband later. And that has worked for them. Because otherwise, it's like they're looking for a baby daddy. And that's yeah. never a good position to be in. Um, it's like, yeah. let's come from strength and let's come, yeah, from that. And so I can understand why you're kind of on the fence. Like if you were with, you know, somebody who filled every need of yours and you felt really stable and everything, you might be like, yeah, I'd be willing to have a child now. But I mean, how could somebody realistically even think about that if they're if they're not sure one way or another? I 100% agree. Like how, because like I know for me, like strong fact, I definitely would never want to be a single mother if I did have a, like a baby. So it's like, if already knowing that, it's like, I can't even really think about what I want to do because like I'm, I need to be in a serious place with someone before I can even think about that. So to your mm -hmm. point, I mean, I think some women definitely know no matter what, I want to be a mother, but it's mm -hmm. like, I just know that I don't want to be a single mother, if that makes sense. Yeah, it makes perfect sense. Um, even when you have like a wonderful family and support system, it's definitely not for everybody. So really being in a wonderful, loving, stable relationship is your top goal at this For point. For sure. Yeah, because you're right. If you have a wonderful support system, like it works, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. but um, I think it's also a personal preference. Yeah. So at what point do you know that the person that you're with is worthy of pursuing or you're like, eh, I think I'm going to let this, this person go. I, you know, I really like him, but he's not for me. Do you hit like at some certain point in the relationship where you, you have this all knowing feeling? Yeah, I, you're right. Yes, I don't know exactly what it is or, or something mm -hmm. like that, but I'm pretty sure, I, I mean, I'm positive that I do. I think it's mostly like, if I can see that maybe like their um, thought process or like their perspective on life or, is kind of really not similar to mine, mm -hmm. I, I think I stop looking at people's like potential because like potential is awesome, but like you have to accept for someone where they're at right now because what if they don't mm -hmm. ever change? That's and right. so I think it's when I start to really get to know someone after a little bit and I see that mm -hmm. like, ooh, like this is not changing. Like, could I live with it? Can I not live with it? And mm -hmm. if I can't live with it, then like that's when I know that it's not probably going to work. 
Yeah, I think that's a good point. I feel like when you're in your 20s, you might think about potential. But when you're in your 30s, it's like accept them for who they are because just expect for them not to change because people are pretty solid by their 30s, really, if you think about it. They know their their place, they're comfortable with their their living situation. You know, they've got their jobs, they're on track with whatever it is that they're that they're looking for. And um, and now they're just kind of looking for a partner. Um, so I think you're smart, De definitely very smart in that. Should we talk about freezing eggs? <laughs> I mean, I, I've been like, like talked about that. Like one of my um, friends, she actually froze her eggs and had like a really great success story. And so she's always telling me, especially like for black women, when it comes to fertility, it's not a topic mm -hmm. that like, you know, a lot of people do talk about. Um, okay. Because it is like an expensive process and things like mm -hmm. that. Um, me personally, I don't really think I'm, I would, I would consider it, but I'm just like not there just yet. Um, but right. I do believe in like doing like follicle testing. If you are interested in, um, having a baby to at least see like how that's looking, like your fertility, mm -hmm. checking your fertility. Um, mm -hmm. but, um, I say like, if you want to do it, you should definitely do it. Yeah. And especially if you, since you're a little bit on the fence, if you want to start a family or not, I can understand not going through that because it's an arduous process, expensive, and it with all of the hormones, it really it'll set you back um, in terms of your lifestyle and like you need to be very very strong-minded, like goal-wise. This, this is something I definitely want. Yeah. Yes, yeah, for sure. I, I agree with that 100%. Tell me a little bit about your work and you know what you do and how that impacts the community. Sure, so um, I founded a folks group and mm -hmm. we are a consulting agency specializing in communication and events. And mm -hmm. um, what I love most about what we do, um, we provide quality consulting and unmatched customer service and everything is really customized. And so a lot of our projects, we get to be in spaces where we're working with various nonprofits, helping them like mm -hmm. fundraise and really um, orchestrate a really effective like program, whether it's like an event or virtual in person. And so it's given us a really great chance to see, um, you know, people in the Charlotte community, but also other communities since we're in a virtual space now. I love that. What What's one of your favorite projects that you've worked on recently? Oh my goodness, uh, we recently just wrapped a Smart Start. And so um, Smart Start of Mecklenburg County, um, their whole goal is to get you um, to strive to five. So they really focus on providing resources for um, infants up to the age of five. Um, and just knowing all their various partners and all the like resources they offer, it is just, I mean, it's amazing to know that like um, our youth have that um, and our mothers have that additional support. Um, so being able to help them um, fundraise and build awareness, um, definitely, it was just really important and, and fun. Um, and my team, we, we were all together. We had like our leadership retreat after. So it was a really, um, really great time. I love that. I think that's wonderful. It has been such a pleasure talking to you. I just absolutely adore you. And I, I wish you all of the best. And I want to I want to keep 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 you posted on this on the guy you're dating, and if it doesn't work yeah. out, come and let me know. <laughs> I just had a cute guy hire me. <laughs> yeah, you know, I totally yeah. set you up. <laughs> well, thank you. I always love talking to you, and um, oh. we'll be in touch. And yeah, mm -hmm. thank you so much for everything, and you always inspire me. So thanks for doing what you do. Oh, thanks, Brittany.
Thanks for listening to Love on the Go. I hope you join us on our next episode. You can make sure to know when it is by following us wherever you listen to podcasts. Also, if you enjoyed it, it'd be great if you left us a review. I'd appreciate it. In the meantime, to learn more about me and how my team can help you, visit carolinasmatchmaker.com. Until next time.